to Matthew chapter 23. Uh, the title of today's message is Rethink Religion. Uh, again, we're going to be in Matthew 23, uh, so please turn there. As you're turning there, I just want to make a statement to you that maybe you already know and maybe not, but religion can be dangerously deceptive. Now, I have an air quotes there, religion. Religion can be dangerously deceptive, even for those who are sincere. And therefore, I believe that's why we must turn to God's word to submit to what Jesus says. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And as we do that, I want to ask you a couple questions. Do you believe yourself to be a religious person? What makes up your religion? What religious duties do you find absolutely necessary to that religion? And all those questions, I want you to keep in mind with what Jesus says as we look in the text. Because let's just be frank and honest with each other. Um, we all have opinions. We all have thoughts. And you didn't come here to hear what I had to say. You came to hear what Jesus has to say. And so without further ado, let's pray and we'll read the word of God. Uh, God, our Father in heaven, we do thank you that you have made very clear your statutes and standards. We praise you that uh, it is not man's opinion, but yet it is your word, that you have written your word, that myriads that have come before us, and should you tarry, myriads that will come after have had and will have your precious word that is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that is alive so that we might come to it and be changed by you. And so we ask today, as we look at Matthew 23, as we look at religion, that you would place us under your precepts, that we would submit ourselves to you, that you would send your spirit to both encourage and convict our hearts, because it is your joy to see your sons and daughters conformed to be more and more like yourself. And if we are your sons and daughters, it is our joy to be conformed. And so we would ask that before we even begin, that you would prepare us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So without further ado, I just want to jump straight into this because I've got a lot of things to cover. Um, and so the first point that I have here is, uh, and you see here what the religious leaders sought, what they wanted. Now, if you're a note taker, uh, you can fill in the blanks there and there's got some cross references for you. Uh, but I really want to take you through this and hopefully you have a copy of God's word that you're at because I'm not going to have scripture on the screen. So if you turn to Matthew 23, if you haven't already, you can do that as we jump in there. But it says here in verse 1, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. So right off the bat, you have to understand there's two sets of people he's talking to here. He's talking to the general population, but he's also talking to those who would be his intimate followers. Those who are with him for a long time. Those who he's already said multiple times at this point that he's going to Jerusalem to be crucified, died, and then three days later to be resurrected. And so he's talking to crowds as well as disciples. And then this is where the sting happens. Because he's going to be talking to the general population about the clergy. And so while sometimes, most of the times, I think when preachers preach messages, they preach to to everyone themselves included. I would say this is, this is a specific message that is more for people who are in the pastorate. However, all of us are priests by the Most High God, according to Christ, right? He is the high priest, and he has elected us to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And so therefore, I believe it's for all of us. But he's speaking here about the religious elite, we might say, right? Um, the cleanest of the clean, the holiest of the holy, 
the uh, Bible thumper of all thumpingness, right? So in verse 2, he says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Now, what he's talking about there is in the Old Testament, Moses, the giver of the law, and then after that, through the rest of the Old Testament, you see times, especially when they're coming back from Babylon, where the Jews don't even really know what the Bible says. And so there are men that are then placed up, lawyers, Scripture calls them, if you, depending on what translation you have, lawyers, scribes. They're ones that would be the interpreters of the law. Ones because when they came back from Babylon, they, not everyone even read Hebrew and Aramaic at this point. So they're needing these people to be able to read these scriptures and interpret them for them. And so these are these people in high authority. And of course, if you've been to church for a while, you know about the Pharisees. But what he's saying is, is Jesus is not saying that they don't have positions of authority. That's not what he's saying here. What he's going to say is they've been misusing their position of authority and misunderstanding and misrepresenting their position of authority. And so these scribes and Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat. They have the authority that Moses had in general. So he says in verse 3, so do and observe whatever they tell you. And so as much as I or any pastor, whether this is your home church or you're here visiting or whatever, or whether you're watching online and you're just kind of seeing what Allegan Bible Church is about, no matter where you go or where you attend, do what the pastor says so much as it accords with God's word. At the moment that they are then fleshing out opinion or personal preference, it is time for you to weigh that as a Berean against God's word. So what is the standard is God's word. He says, so these people have this authority, but do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. And here's the first thing that I wanted to talk about. For they preach, but do not practice. Now, of course, you would see in the text where I would read this and I would say, ouch, time for some introspection. But do you not do the same? Do you not have the Jesus sticker on the back of your car as you cut somebody off merging in traffic? Do you not have window decals on Christmas or Easter and yet maybe treat the people who come knocking at your door to share their version of truth with you, which is falsity instead you slam the door in their face very coldly so he says don't be like the scribes and the pharisees and his first reason is is because they preach and do not practice they read scripture they have personal devotions they take they take their kids to light bearers right they take their teens to youth ministry they host or attend a small group and yet They don't practice what they preach. Ouch. Maybe time for a little introspection. But he continues there and he says, They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. And so what he's saying is here is these scribes and Pharisees specifically, but maybe us, right? Maybe us as a church, maybe us as a Christian culture, maybe we tie up these extra burdens. Maybe we require extra things to be a part of ABC Club. Uh, Maybe we are doing things that aren't really right, but we're saying that they're right because they're part of tradition. And it says here that they tie up these heavy burdens that are too hard to bear, and they're unwilling to do a single thing to lighten this load. Well, let me tell you about my Jesus. My Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy and burdened and laden, and I will give you rest. 
You see, our Jesus on the cross didn't say do more. He said it is done. You see, our Jesus, the Jesus that Scripture talks about, isn't the Jesus who is wanting you to be a part of a religion called Christianity. He's wanting you to be a part of a family, part of a relationship with God the Father. He wants you to be his brother and his sister, his son and his daughter. He wants you to be in relationship, not just part of religion. But these scribes and these Pharisees and some church leaders and some Christians in churches, they make all these rules and regulations and hoops that have to jump through. You have to dress a certain way. You have to have a certain number of tattoos or not tattoos. You have to have a certain number of piercings or not piercings. You have to drink coffee or chai tea or something to be a part of their club. And there's all these extra things that we put at a certain Sunday or a certain time or to be a certain type of people. And Jesus tells us why they do these in verse 5. He says they do all their deeds to be seen by others. And so the real reason that they're doing this, remember if you think about the, what we're talking about here, what the religious leaders sought, they didn't seek truly real righteousness. What they really sought was to be thought that they were righteous. They wanted people outside of their immediate purview to think highly of them and to view them in a certain light. And that is such a danger in Christian community. And, and, and personally, and, and this, uh, I didn't plan on this, this is my plug for small groups and life groups. That's where you really get to know people. That's where you really get to share in struggles with one another. Because we can know each other's names. We can say hello and good morning and how are you doing. And over years, 5, 10, 15 years, you might actually build a relationship with somebody as you have heard them going through things or talk to them in Sunday school or just in general as we have. We used to have greeting time. We don't do that anymore because COVID, I guess. I, we'll, maybe we'll start again. I don't know. The, the point is, do you want to be, is, is it more important for you to be seen well by others or is it more important for you to actually live out the Christian faith. Because that's what these religious leaders sought. They sought to be seen. He says, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Now, phylacteries, fringes, what is this? In this Western culture, what are you even talking about? Well, if you remember back in the Old Testament, they talked about, um, and I should have written it down, I didn't, but they talked about putting these signs on your doorpost, right? Tell them to your children as you walk along the way and as you get up and as you lay down, all these things. And and, and what they would actually do is they would have these little boxes with Scripture scrolls in them, and they would tie them to their foreheads or to their wrists or whatever. And this was part of how they would be living differently than the culture around them, right? But he says what they're doing is they're specifically making these things big. So one guy comes and he says, hey, look at this. I've got the size of the box, the size of a a wristwatch tied. And the next guy will say, hey, check this out. I got the one the size of a pocket watch tied, right? And then the next guy will come and and, and what's what's that old school rapper that used to have that big clock around his neck? Whatever his name is. Do you guys know? You can Google him. Don't listen to any of his stuff, I'm sure, but um, does anybody know? Come on, reveal your carnality. What's his name? It doesn't, whatever, it doesn't. So there's this rapper that had this big watch around his neck. All of you are going to go home and be like, who is he talking about? What is it? Flavor Flav, thank you. The, one of the elders of your church, y'all. One of the elders of your church. 
All right, so Flava Flav has got this. And so this is what they're talking. They're always trying to redo and outdo one another, right? They're saying, look, they're making their phylacteries broad. Their fringes are extra long. Now, even Jesus had fringes. The woman who was suffering for several years touched the fringe of his garment to be healed, remember? So it's not about that. It's about why they're doing these things and how big they're making, how showy they're making them. For they make their phylacteries broad, their fringes long. And it says here, they love, in verse 6, they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. These are the people who would be sitting front row, center. And the reason they're sitting front row center is not to make room for others who might be coming in. The reason they're sitting front row center is so that you can see that they're at church on Sunday. And so you can see that they're, they must be the most wanting of God's word because they're up front, they're center. They want the best seats and they love to have them. In verse 7, they're, they're, they love these greetings in the marketplace, uh, being called rabbi by others, which is, which is teacher. Having this position of authority. But then this is where Jesus shifts. He says, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher. You are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. He says in verse 11, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. These religious leaders, they wanted the the adherence of men. They wanted men to follow them, not God. They wanted the admiration of men. They, They wanted people to admire them, not God. They wanted the advancement of men, primarily themselves. They wanted the bigger church, the bigger title, the bigger following, the bigger YouTube channel or podcast. They wanted the adulation of men. They wanted men to be cheering for them as they saw them walking down the street and asking for their autograph. See, religion seeks works. That's what they saw. Works in a resume. But Jesus, Jesus seeks the worker. Religion wants your labor. Jesus wants the laborer. So what did they teach? This is what the religious leaders taught. As we keep going through here, verse 13 through 22. Now what you're going to see, if you're using ESV, um, verse it's going to go right from 13 to 15. Don't be alarmed by that. Sometimes that happens in Scripture. If you're using another translation, they might have verse 14. Verse 14 says, for those of you who have, uh, well, we'll get there in a minute. I'll read through. But the reason for this is this. They have different manuscripts. They have different amounts of Scripture in them. And it's kind of like majority rules. But So it's complicated Buy me coffee, we'll talk more about it. But your Bible is still authoritative, inerrant, you can still believe it. This is people who are, have doctoral degrees somewhere sitting in a room deciding based off of the manuscripts and stuff, okay? So I'd be happy to drink coffee on your dime and tell you all about it if you want, okay? So verse 13, uh, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now this is the first of the seven woes. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Let me just pause there for a minute. 
I want everybody looking up here. This is paramount. Jesus is not here physically. He has given us his spirit. And as his church, he has told us, you are my hands and feet. He has told us, you go and make disciples and teach them to obey all that I've commanded. And when we live like hypocrites, we shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. If that does not undo you, then spend some time in prayer and fasting this week. Now that being said, people's salvation is not up to you. If it was, everywhere I'd go, people would be saved. I'd be flitting through the mall, just tapping people on the shoulder like, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved. You know, if it was up to me, that's how it would be, okay? But at the same time, how we live, how we act, how we believe, if we say that we believe what Scripture says, then you best better live it. Because if you don't, it says for the Pharisees, and I believe it's true for us, that we are shutting the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You can look back at your Bibles now. Please do. That's your authority here, not me. But he says, uh, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. And that's religion. Religion is checking boxes, so religion teaches that there's only, uh, you've got to do these things or else you're not part of the club. That's religion. Religion shuts the door, but not Jesus. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the door, and whoever enters through me will come in and have green pastures. He says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus invites. He does not shut out. Now verse 14. Verse 14, if you have it or if you don't, I'm going to read it to you. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses for a pretense. You make long prayers, therefore you will receive the greater condemnation. See, they would have these long, eloquent prayers and then turn from their prayers to go to the widow and take her goods and say things like, hey, don't you owe this to the temple? Wouldn't it be to your best interest to bless God with these things that you have? Does not God's word say he will care for widows and orphans? So what have you to fear? Just give me all your possessions. We'll give that to God, and you can just trust that he's going to provide for you. And Jesus is saying they're not doing that to encourage widows to be holy. They're not doing that to encourage widows to reap a reward of righteousness. What they're doing is they're doing that so that they can have the possessions of these widows. In verse 15, he says again, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. Now, in what is proselyte? You may not know. Maybe you can kind of guess from the text. It's convert. You, you, you travel far and wide. You'll, you'll ride your donkeys and your camels and stuff, and you'll go all across, all across the area to make a single convert to, to Judaism religion. And what he says here is you travel across all these things to make a single convert to religion, and when he becomes a convert, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. 
it is, it is the worst thing for somebody to, be, to come out of unbelief or paganism into religion. It would be better for them to have remained pagan. And you're like, how can you say that? Because when they come to religion, they are worse off. When they're a pagan, they're not saved, but they don't necessarily think that they're saved. But when they come to religion, they're not saved, and they think that they are. And he says this, Woe to churches. Woe to churches who think it's acceptable to simply say, hey, walk the aisle and pray this prayer, and you're in. There need not be fruit in your life. There, there need, need not be change. There need not be repentance. There, there need not be a real hunger and thirst for God's Word. There, there need not be any fruit aside from you one day getting a stamp on your card in your Bible saying, hey, you prayed a prayer on this day. Or you got wet publicly on this day. Religion doesn't save. And so these who practice religion says they, they cross sea and land to make a single proselyte and then afterwards they're twice as much a child as hell, but not our Jesus. Not only can Jesus walk on water and land, but Jesus traversed from heaven to earth. Jesus crosses the greatest divide. Jesus takes your sin and shame and guilt upon himself, upon the cross, and then he moves it as far as the east is from the west. See, our Jesus, when he makes a convert, they're not a child of hell, they're a child of God. Good job, sister. Verse 16, Woe to you blind guides who says, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. Wasn't it Jesus who said, you see this temple, I'm going to destroy it. And then in three days, raise a new one. And they could not fathom or understand what he was talking about. And, and, and wasn't it God's word who tells us that we are now the temples of the Holy Spirit? And so verse 17 says, you blind fools, Jesus says. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? I don't have a safe at my house, but if I did, you know what I wouldn't put in it? Dollar store toys. My kids love, they want to go to the dollar store. Enoch wants to go to the dollar store every day, every day. And so if I had a safe at my house, you know the kinds of things I'd put in it? The kinds of things I want to keep safe. What's the purpose of a safe? Literally, to keep things safe, kind of in the name, right? And so by the very definition of keeping things safe, you ascribe a value to it. And so this is what Jesus is saying here. What makes this building a church? Is it that it has pews? Is it it that we meet on Sunday? No, no, no. What makes this building a church Swivel your head around and find out. That's it. It's the community of the saints. And so this is the same thing with them. They're, they're saying, you, you guys, you religious leaders here, you're foolish because you're saying that the, that, the, that the altar or the temple is nothing, but it's the gold that makes it that way. 
Do you understand, beloved, that that is pavement in heaven? That the streets, it's not good. Well, walk, just walk on it in heaven. He says, if you swear by the altar, it is nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift that's on the altar is bound by it. You blind men, he says, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? And then we know that we have one who is even better than the temple who is here. One who is even better than the high priest. One who makes intercession on our behalf, not just on an earthly altar, but at the right hand of God the Father forever and ever for all eternity. And so whoever swears by the altar, they must do it. But whoever swears by these things or swearing by the throne of God, the, the, the point that he's getting at here is, listen, you're ascribing value to the wrong things. And so what he says here is he's going to reveal what they teach is hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of their preaching. Jesus said he has the keys of the kingdom. He is the door by which they must enter. And there's hypocrisy not only in their preaching, but in their prayers. Kind of like James. They're, they're asking for these things and they're not receiving them because they want them to deal with their own good, not for the good of God or for his kingdom or for the good of others. And there's hypocrisy in their converts. But so I could train, or, you know, proselytes to make them all peace. But there's ought not be hypocrisy in the proselytes of Jesus. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Because just like God said, let there be light and there was light, at the moment that he said, you are a child of God, so you are. Religion always teaches, do better. Jesus teaches, it's done. So what about what the religious leaders thought? Because it's got to come from somewhere. Well, in 23 through 28, we'll see that. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So I just want to ask you, did you bring a tithe this morning or do that online? You don't have to answer that. Did you pray this week? Did you pray for one another this week? When's the last time you fasted in prayer? Because Jesus says, when you fast, assuming it's going to happen, are you reading your Bible? I mean, here's what he's saying. You can tithe. You can even tithe the right amount, the 10% or whatever. And you can discuss that with me or whatever and where we get that from and why that's the thing. Side point. Focus. This is what he's saying. He says, you can do that. You can show up on time. You can sing songs. You can check the boxes. You can do the religion. Now, these guys, they're getting this from the Old Testament where he talks about all these things, every seed bearing. So it's not just... In here, he says, you know, mint, dill, and cumin. And we're like, oh, 
no, they're, they're tithing wheat and corn and beans and what, any kind of produce that they're making here. And they're doing this, and, and then he's naming these small things because he's saying, listen, you're going that extra mile to maximize the minimum. And yet you're neglecting the main. And I don't know about you, but that is humbling for me. And so I'll pose the same to you. Are you, now here with spiritual ears, not just fleshly, are you about the business of tithing mint and dill and cumin and yet neglecting the weightier matters of justice and mercy and faithfulness? Because he says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And then he calls them again, you blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Now, should we be different than the world? Absolutely. Should we have convictions and follow those convictions based off Scripture? Absolutely. But are we so concerned with the gnat that we end up swallowing the camel? Verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. We could spend time on this, but I don't think I really need to. He's talking about here internal transformation, not external appearances. So he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you like, are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. How many churches have you heard about in the last 15, 20 years that have had huge scandals? Huge scandals. Ruining lives. Ruining ministries. Because outwardly there's flash. And there's entertainment. And there even appears to be biblical preaching and teaching. And yet behind closed doors... There's all kinds of uncleanness. Keep this church accountable. And do not say to yourself, you are beyond doing whatever these things are that the text is talking about. Do not be so arrogant and prideful that you think yourself above this. Don't just focus on the outside. Ask for God to change you. Listen to your friends or your spouse. Read scripture, and when convicted, cry out for heart change. Seek repentance. Pursue that. If you don't know what that looks like, then ask me and we will work through it together as I myself also stumble through that. Talk to your deacons and your elders. Share with one another. Ask for people to pray for you. So also, these tombs, outwardly, they appear righteous, but within they are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Religion. Religion wants... Appreciation. 
but Jesus just wants that relationship. So lastly, what did they rot? What was the end result? That's what rot means in case you don't know. What did this bring? Verse 29, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteousness, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. He says, verse 31, Thus you have witnessed against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. So he says, Fill up then the measure of your fathers. What he's saying here is, You guys don't even understand that what they did pales in comparison about what you're about to do. All these men before you who are the prophets, who your forefathers have killed or have turned their back on, you really want to know how you honor a prophet? You listen to what they say and you obey them. If Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all those guys, if they really were going to honor them, you know what they would do? They would repent and turn to God. And what Jesus says here is you, you think you're honoring them by decorating their tombs and what you're about to do is crucify the one of whom they were preaching about? October is Pastor Appreciation Month and I hate that. I'm sorry. I love you guys. It's just weird. I don't like it. Thank you. I will. I'll take home the extra candy. If you want to show appreciation to your pastor, pray for him. If you want to show appreciation to your pastor, live a life honoring to Christ that I might get to see the works that God does through you. I mean, just let me watch you blossom into a Christ follower. But these folks... He says, you want to honor those prophets, and instead what you're going to do is you're going to do something way worse than your forefathers. You thought your forefathers were bad because they, they turned their back on these prophets. You were about to crucify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so he calls them serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? For he knows, he knows that what religion brings, what religion brings is death, and destruction. But I want you to look ahead to verse 37. Because Jesus is not calling us to religion. We have this thing called Christianity because we've got to call it something, right? I like I'm a follower of Christ or I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus. But we call it Christianity because that's easy for people to understand. But verse 37, Jesus isn't saying, I just want a religion named after me. What he is saying in verse 37, read that with me. And read it as a father or mother who's scooping their child up off of the pavement after they skin their knee. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How? Often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you were not willing. You see, the scripture has told us religion causes us to preach one thing and practice another. Religion 
is when we're not content with the approval of God, but instead we want the approval of man. Religion is when we assert our superiority over others. Religion is when we practice a sense of self-centeredness. Religion causes us to focus on the outside more than the inside. Religion makes us concern ourselves with the biblical minutia rather than practical ministry. And worse yet, religion hinders people from pursuing or even receiving salvation. But not Jesus. Jesus has his arms open wide, even right now. Jesus wants to call you in, for you to enter in. You see, Jesus is saying, and insert your name here, not just Jerusalem, Jerusalem, but your name. He's calling you. Don't be caught sleeping when he calls. You laugh if you want. But the truth stands. Right now, Jesus is calling. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you for you are good. You have sent your Son that we might enter in and not be shut out. You have sent your Son to tell us that it is the meek and the humble that inherit rather than the proud who are punished. God, help and make us hungry for holiness rather than greedy for gain. Let us obtain mercy rather than rejecting this message. God, we praise you that the peacemakers and the persecuted are the sons of God. And we ask for the transformation of those who are the persecutors, that they might not be sons of perdition. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Somebody poke that man. Let's stand and sing.